0: I had to be the pioneer that broke the trail and came home full of arrows, and then I I paid the way for them. And so they were able to take some of what I did and and have my blood, sweat, and tears to prove some of what somebody else did with their blood, sweat, and tears and some of somebody else's, and then they amalgamated all of those things together. Hey, it's Jason Fladlin here. You're listening to The Jason Fladlin Show, where I'll be sharing everything from sales and webinar tips to improving productivity and reaching your infinite potential. Hey, Jason Fladlin here, and I want you to be the best at what you do. There is such an advantage of being number one, and being number two is is almost as bad as not being anything at all. You could be Coca-Cola or you could be Pepsi. Coca-Cola dominates the cola market, and Pepsi's whole foundation and strategy is to be reactive. Okay, what are they doing? Now let's make our plan. That's not a good strategy. Tesla dominates the electric car market, so everybody else producing it has to make their decision based on the market leader, what Tesla's doing. Apple just flat out dominates its market. And so everybody else has to kind of play around them. Amazon dominates their market. Everybody else has to decide what they're doing based on the strategy that Amazon sends. In every single industry, you're going to find out the number one dominant provider, they win everything almost. And everybody else is left with scraps. And so Apple is one of the richest companies in the world. Who's number two in the smartphone market? Yeah. You know Tesla's dominant. Who's number two? I don't know. You feel what I'm saying here? You want to be the best. Now you might have to set your field to be the very best and narrow at first, and then expand it over time, and over time, and over time. So the first product I ever created was how to write articles faster, and not just any articles, specific articles that were used to be submitted to a site called Easy Articles back in 2007 to get SEO traffic back to your own site. So you can narrow the focus of the field so small that there's not hardly any players in that. But as soon as you're the best, everybody knows who you are, and nobody can name really anybody else. So be the best, be the best, be the best. So I'm going to give you seven tips on how to be the best in your field. Number one, believe you're capable and worthy of it. That's the first thing you got to do. Some people are very uncomfortable with proclaiming that they intend to be the very best at what they do. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. If you don't believe you can be the best, you're probably never going to be the best. Even if you are the best, nobody will know you're the best because you won't tell people you're the best. I'm going to tell you right now, I am the best at webinars. I am the leader of that field. And that's a pretty significant field. There's a lot of tough competition in this field and there's a lot of money to be made. I didn't start there, uh, but I got there and I always felt like I could. I was always confident that if I worked smarter and harder, and I was more sincere, I would eventually find something that was uniquely for me to be the very best in the world at. And I am equally, I'm sure that that thing exists for you as well. There is something there with that wonderful combination of your environments and your genetics and your focus and your purpose. It's waiting for you to claim to be the very best in. And then, man, when you get the best at this it's easier then to get the best at something else and the best at something else. So that's the first thing. You got to believe that you're capable and worthy of being the best. The second thing, stand on the shoulders of giants. And so a lot of the people that I've trained in webinars now make a lot more money than I make. <laughs> and I'm, I'm happy about that because I had to be the pioneer that broke the trail and came home full of arrows. And then I, I paid the way for them. And so they were able to take some of what I did. and and have my blood, sweat, and tears to prove some of what somebody else did with their blood, sweat, and tears, and some of somebody else's, and then they amalgamated all of those things together. And so be very intelligent on finding who is already the best in adjacent fields to you and leveraging their best to help create your best. Nobody does this alone. There is no such thing as a self-made person. It doesn't exist. So take the technology and say, now that this exists, where do I go from here? Even better is, who broke their neck creating the technology? Who's now too exhausted to leverage the newfound technology that was, that was created? And how can I pass the torch, so to speak? How can I pick up fresh where somebody had to give it their all just to get it to this point we're going to leverage up. So that's how you can be the best. You got to borrow the best in other fields, not in your directly in your field, but in other adjacent fields and put it together. And then you're still going to trial and error, you're still going to experiment, but you're starting a lot of levels up, not at the ground floor. The third tip to becoming the best in your field is to innovate, then innovate again, and then innovate again. The name of the game is innovation. So few people, especially entrepreneurs, who you would think would know better, they do not make a decision because they think, well, let's see what happens. This is going to be interesting. What am I going to learn? What they do is they look around at what everybody else is doing and say, okay, I guess I got to do something similar. It is scary to me how natural it is for almost all of us to conform. And we conform because we're scared to stand out. We're scared to be looked at and judged differently. And the cost of that safety is you will never be the leader in the market. You will never dare to go against the trend. And so if you are simply doing what everybody else is doing, you're going to get a slightly worse version than them if you do it the best you possibly can. So don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Check in on it from time to time. Run fun experiments. But the name of the game is innovation. All of the biggest breakthroughs I ever had in business came from places I never would have uh, suspected. It was because I was screwing around over here trying something new that this door over there opened. And I wouldn't have been in the room to have the door open from here to there if I wasn't messing around trying something new just for the sake of seeing what happens. I innovate naturally. I'm inherently distrustful of anything that's standard. Um, anything that's an industry standard, I think immediately uh, is suspicious and I want to challenge it. But most of you are the other way. So every single day you should be violating some sort of norm just to see what happens. Nine times out of 10, you're going to respect that norm. You're going to say, okay, I understand that makes sense. That's why the way things are, the way they are. I get it. But now I understand it better, which is good because I can use it better. But every so often, one out of 10 times or one out of 20 times, you're going to say, wait a second, that was an artificial norm. That only exists because people didn't want to be creative anymore. They just said, okay, we're going to go with that. Oh boy, it only takes one or two major breakthroughs to go from obscurity to market leader. Number four, play to your strengths. So you have inherent advantages already inside of you that if you do something, you pick up on it immediately, it comes more naturally to you, you're in your element with it. And so you want to play to your strengths because there are some things that I could put a thousand hours into and I would make this much improvement on. When I had my music career, I had to work hundreds of hours to create and write music that most people could do it in a few hours. And so I could get by by giving it everything I had. But I would never be world-class at that, no no matter how much it personally was a passionate of mine. I just, it wasn't fit for it. I didn't, I don't have the tool set for it. Now, on the other hand, I was always very quick on my feet. I could think with a lot of cognitive agility, as somebody once told me, a, a super genius told me that. And so I could play to my strengths where, where does it make sense to have that cognitive flexibility to be very sharp and very quick and fast with thought as things unfold in the moment? Well, any performance I'm really good at that's on stage that is being done without a script. And so in business, that's a lot of speaking. That's a lot of training. Uh, I always felt very natural performing in front of a crowd. So I never had this limitation of having to overcome the fear of public speaking. So it was very comfortable. It was more comfortable for me to be on a stage than it was for me to be in the crowd. So I had an advantage. So I, what can I do if I don't have this limitation over here that other people do? And so I play to those strengths as much as I possibly can. So it's time for you to take an inventory. What are strengths? What are characteristics that are innate to you that you're naturally already good at and passionate about? And then we just got to fit them. We got to fit them properly. And then you, you pair together a few different strengths and you get like this ultra strength. You get the strengths of strengths. But if you work on weaknesses just to make them average, you don't get that magna, you don't get that magnification where you get a bunch of average things and you pair them together, it's still average. You get a bunch of strengths together and you put them together, it becomes a super strength. So play to your strengths, double down on them, then double down on them again, and pretty soon you can be excellent in any field that you desire to play in that also is to your strengths. Number five, acquire wisdom. So most people are into information. That's the lowest frequency of vibration that you should aspire to get. Uh, information is virtually useless on its own. Uh, Information is more intellectual masturbation than anything. So what's above information? Experience. Okay, cool. So I would rather you not learn from an intellectual state, but learn from an experiential state. I've seen this when I used to wrestle back in the days. There would be some wrestlers who were just animals uh, they would chew up nails and spit out bullets. They were that tough, and they were almost unbeatable. And you say, "How do you do that?" And they say, "I don't know. How do you know when to, you know, shoot? How do you know when to do a low single? I don't know. I just know." And you're like, "Well, gee, thank you." Right? So they have experiential knowledge, not information. They have it. In, they can feel it, not just think it. And so if you use information, you should use information to get experience so you can feel it, not only think it, but think it and feel it. But then there's wisdom, which is even more transcendental. That's where things are just self-evident. You don't have to think it or you don't have to feel it. It just is. How do you get wisdom? You get wisdom by getting repetitive experience with slightly different perspectives. So ways that we do that is we're constantly saying, okay, let's change this one thing and let's see what happens, but let's get it experientially. So thinking should be the thing you do the least of. Getting experience is the thing you should do the most of with the caveat of the variance slightly of the experience. Okay, let's try it with this slight difference. Let's try it with that. And pretty soon you will have what's called self-evident wisdom. You won't have to think or you won't have to know it. You'll be it you can just get on a stage one time somebody asked me they said Jason how do you close how do you know how to sell and i said it's really easy i go i look through somebody's eyes down into their soul and then i pull it out of them and they're like what and at first i was joking and then i sat around with it for a week and i go no that's actually how i do it you do it through wisdom you just pick up on all these cues and you you just become intuitive on it and it happens over time because of repetition of various experiences that gel together you do that that's the x factor who can beat you number 6 Solve the one problem that solves many problems. So very often we solve problems sequentially. We say, okay, we need traffic. So we're going to go out to and buy some ads to get traffic. And that's, that's kind of cool. Uh, but if you were so influential, I mean, this is the, the problem that solves all problems I'm talking to you about right here. If you have that number one position, then you don't have to go out and get traffic. Traffic will come to you. So it's better to... Uh, enhance your position than it is to go out there and just buy ads. Tactical, we want to look at the higher level vision. So I'm always a vision first guy, strategy second, tactics third guy. I want that vision of that's what's the one thing that if we did it excellent, almost nothing else would matter. This one thing would trump everybody else's hundred activities that they're doing every single day. What's the essence of the thing that we're doing and how can we tap into that essence Mainline that, and then the rest is details. So, for me with webinars, it was so powerful because it could solve my content problem, it could solve my sales problem, it could solve both simultaneously. It also could collect leads because people had to opt into the webinar before they showed up. So, I'm building an email list. Uh, it makes revenue for me, but it makes the most amount of revenue because it focuses on the 20% of the market that spends 80% of its dollars. And it creates a, a win-win situation, a short-term win because there's that point of sale, but a long-term win because I service the customer first. So whether they buy from me today or not, I increase the chances that they will buy from me tomorrow. So this is why I'm a big sales guy. I think if you learn sales, it's the one technique that you can learn that could solve lots of other problems in your life. I I apply sales techniques in so many different situations that it boggles my mind. Uh, So these are some of the things. So what's what's the technique you need to learn right now? Out of all the techniques that you could learn, what's the one technique that if you would learn it would solve many, many problems instead of just one or two problems? Now you keep doing that and you're solving thousands of problems even though you're doing a dozen types of efforts, you will actually work less and you will have more impact. Number seven, occasionally cross the limits so you know where they're at. Uh, I had a mentor early on in my business career that says, you know, Jason, people don't start a marathon by sprinting. He says they sprint at the end, maybe if they have any left. He goes, but wouldn't it be interesting if they just started sprinting just to see how far they could make it before they collapsed? And I'm thinking, dude, you're kind of crazy, man. That's pretty intense. But on the other hand, he's right. Very few people have sat out and say, I'm just going to sprint until I collapse. And how far can I sprint? So they never know. They never know. They always leave something in the tank. How do you know what your limits truly are unless you occasionally cross them? Now, caveat, this could be extremely dangerous. So we still don't want to kill ourselves. That would be stupid. That would be inefficient. Uh, So challenge limits that. If there is a downside to crossing them, it's not your life. Uh, so I have challenged my ability. How far can I go in terms of work? How how far can I push myself before um, becoming exhausted? And so I've experienced true exhaustion. I, I don't want you to necessarily cross that line. That's a line that if I had to do it again, I probably wouldn't cross. But I have worked to the point of exhaustion where I had to go to the hospital? And they said, dude, you work too hard. And I said, duly noted. (laughs) That's a line I'm not going to cross again. So I got to tamp it down. I got to dial it back a little bit. Uh, So I've done webinars where uh, generally the idea was it's a two-hour limit, and I've gone up to 14 hours. And that was like, okay, that's a limit that I crossed. Good thing I didn't get hospitalized then, but I don't necessarily want to cross that again. But I know I could go 14 hours and I have gone 14 hours. And so then after you do like a six or seven hour webinar, I've I've done countless six hour webinars, probably 20 or 30 or 40 six hour plus webinars in my life. So doing a three hour webinar, that's called warm up, son. (laughs) You want to go the extra, extra, extra mile. You want to go beyond what a reasonable person would consider saint. You want to push it up to that limit to the point where it's so absurd that people gasp when you tell them. Because then when you do half of that, which is still twice as much as everybody else, it's powerful. But to you, it's nothing. Yeah, I wrote 10,000 words in two days. Yeah, what of it? Because I did 20,000 before. Now, 20,000 was too much. (laughs) But 10 now becomes easy. But if you've never even done five, then two seems like it's really hard. So don't say, hey, listen, let's push ourselves up to our limits. Say, hey, listen, let's find what our limit is by slightly crossing it so we know what it actually is. And then when we come under it, it feels easier. And that's how you become an absolute beast in your field, an absolute expert. Now, you don't have to do all seven of these. And you don't have to do them all perfectly, If certainly not. But if you take some of some of these and you apply it, with the attitude of, I deserve to be the best, and I'm willing to be the best, and anything other than the best is not worth being in my particular field that I desire to be the best in, well, now you got a recipe for it. So get in the the kitchen, start cooking it, show me what you baked. I'll see you in the next video. Hey, Jason Flyland here. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you found this helpful at all, please leave me a review, and thanks again, and stay tuned for future episodes.